Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the AWS Podcast. Simon Alicia here with you. Awesome to have you back. So I've got an interesting topic today that I know a lot of our listeners have been really interested in, and we can really now talk about it because it's available. Um, so I'm joined by Andy Reedy, who's a Partner Solutions Architecture Manager, and he specializes in the VMware Cloud on AWS offering. And uh, welcome to the podcast, Andy. Hey, thanks for having me. Good to have you here. Now, VMware Cloud on AWS has been something that has been, I guess, pre-announced for a while and recently became available. And I know a lot of people wanted to know sort of you know, what it is, how it works, where it gets used for. So maybe let's have you do the the overall sort of high-level view of what it is and what it's for, and we'll get into some details. Yeah, so VMware Cloud on AWS is a service which is sold and supported by VMware. So this is a really unique service offering. Uh, in this case, uh, you actually go through VMware uh, and you request a software-defined data center through their VMware Cloud on AWS portal. So if you've ever had to actually go and stand up a brand new VMware cluster, you, you go through all the, the headache of rack and stack, physical cabling, you know, burning in hardware, installing the hypervisor, getting vCenter set up, all of that type of stuff. Uh, so what VMware has done is actually built a service running on top of AWS, which allows you to, to click a button and deploy a, a brand new cluster uh, in about two hours. Uh, and that cluster is fully configured, uh, fully ready to go uh, and set up with uh, vSphere, uh, vSAN, their, their storage technology, uh, and NSX, their network and security virtualization technology. And this is all running on a, on a bare metal hardware within an AWS region. So you're getting a genuine ESX type experience that a lot of our listeners would be very familiar with from virtualization work they've done in the past. However, it's just, it's, it's kind of, you know, you come into work in the morning, you put the request in to get it all set up, you go have a coffee, have a meeting, come back a couple of hours later, and you're good to go. Yeah. If you think what, what normally would take uh, weeks to, to months to set up can now be done in a couple of hours. And once the cluster is actually up and running, uh, you now have the elasticity of the cloud. So this is something that really changes the dynamic uh, for a lot of VMware administrators. Uh, if you think about, you know, in a, in a typical on-premises environment, uh, you, you do capacity planning. You think about the number of hosts that you need in your environment. Uh, you, you typically will operate your cluster at a, at a safe utilization rate. So we, we commonly hear from customers that, that they'll run their vSphere clusters on-premises at like 50% utilization. And they do this for a couple of reasons. One is if they have a host actually fail in that cluster, uh, they have to have buffer uh, capacity to be able to absorb that failure. And then two, uh, they need to be able to actually uh, accommodate new workloads coming into the environment without having to buy new hardware every time. So if you think about it, uh, a vSphere cluster running in an AWS environment where you have dynamic capacity that you can uh, obtain through an API call or through the click of a button in a console, uh, this opens up a whole lot of uh, new uh, new scenarios for, for customers uh, running VMware. So, for example, now instead of running a cluster at 50% utilization, I could run a cluster at 80% utilization. Because ultimately, if a, if a host fails, I can uh, if a host fails, VMware will actually uh, respond to that, and they will replace the host for me. Uh, and if I need a new host in the cluster for new capacity, I just make an API call uh, into the VMware Cloud uh, environment or go to the VMware Cloud console and, and request a new, a new cluster node be added. It really does uh, does change the game from that perspective. And before I get you to talk more a little bit about you know, what customers can use this for, I'm just going to run some numbers because you know people like numbers, I'm not going to ask you to do this from the top of your head. So I'm going to read. Um, basically, uh, when you set up a VMware SDDC software stack, you get uh, four to 16 hosts, each with 36 cores, 512 gig of memory, 
and 15.2 terabytes raw capacity. So if you have an initial four host cluster, you get about 21 terabytes of usable, uh, which is a pretty decent amount of capacity you have access to. All the storage is all flash uh, built on M- NVMe uh, instance storage, which is pretty nifty as well from a performance perspective. And you get uh, some very good uh, networking capabilities uh, using the Elastic Networking Adapter, the ENA, which we've spoken about on the podcast before, which supports throughput of up to 25 gig. So it's a pretty beefy amount of cluster capacity you've got. So that being said, Andy, what do customers use this for? Where, where does it fit? Yeah, and one thing just to point out, uh, you, you brought up vSAN and the uh, and the uh, storage capacity, the all-flash NVMe storage. Uh, so vSAN is their, their storage technology and actually is going to uh, aggregate the instant storage of each one of these hosts. So this is not using EBS-backed storage for actually running the workloads. Uh, this is uh, taking that 15 terabytes of local storage on each instance and aggregating that storage together into a distributed data store. Uh, so while it is 15 terabytes raw, uh, vSAN actually uses uh, two levels. They have a capacity tier uh, and a caching tier. So they they do consume a little bit of that for caching, and you end up with about 10 terabytes uh, of usable per node. Uh, So it's more along the lines of of about 40 terabytes as the the minimum size for that cluster, uh, as as some of that is eaten up uh, for capacity. Uh, I'm sorry, for caching. Uh, But to your point about... Uh, about use cases. So uh, again, a lot of interesting use cases. Uh, if you think about uh, a DR scenario, uh, you know, in the past, customers would would typically take their old hardware uh, that had had been uh, uh, aged out of production, and they would repurpose that into DR, uh, and then just hope that 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 hardware was sufficient enough to run their production environment if they ever had to use it. Uh, in this case, you could actually stand up a four-node cluster, which, as you mentioned, is the the minimum cluster size for VMware Cloud on AWS. Uh, and you could use it as a pilot light. So have your active directory running there, your database replication targets, those types of things. Uh, so you're you're paying for a very minimum footprint. And if you ever needed to execute a DR environment, you could scale your vSphere cluster, uh, uh, your VMware cluster on AWS uh, from four nodes up to 10 nodes or 16 nodes is the, is the maximum uh, at the initial availability. Uh, so now you have the ability to, again, dynamically scale that environment up uh, very rapidly to add a new host to the cluster takes uh, the low double digit number of minutes. So say around 10 minutes or so uh, to add a new host to the cluster. So while it does take about two hours uh, to provision a new cluster, adding new nodes is actually uh, extremely fast. Um, and, and so, you know, DR scenarios are great. Uh, dev test workloads are also uh, a very common use case. We hear customers uh, wanting to use this for, uh, and uh, as well as geographic expansion. As VMware continues to, to bring the service to new regions, uh, if you can think about in the past, having to stand up a new data center uh, in a new region obviously uh, takes a lot of work in, in working through the, that country's uh, particular import policies and, and uh, getting all that staged in different different regions. Uh, you can literally now stand up a brand new data center in a new region uh, just by going into the VMware cloud on AWS console, uh, clicking uh, the region once it's available, and then spinning up a data center there. So a lot of really interesting use cases. Uh, the hybrid use case is also uh, one that customers are very interested in. Uh, being able to uh, essentially lift and shift or move these workloads uh, out of their on-premises environment into VMware Cloud and AWS if they're if they're looking to get uh, out of the data center business or uh, being able to seamlessly move workloads between their on-premises environment and the VMware Cloud and AWS uh, software-defined data center without having to go through a transformation process is also something that customers are, are extremely excited about. 
And I think that's that's really interesting because you know it's it's where people choose to put their focus, or you know, people have limited resource to do novel and new things because everyone's constrained by by time and people and staffing, etc. One of the interesting use cases I think we're starting to see is, is people lifting and shifting from their existing VMware data center, typically on premises, into the um, VMware on AWS cloud, and then augmenting what they're doing with new capabilities that they couldn't do before because they were constrained. So I think, um, you know, when we were talking earlier, we talked about Redshift being a, a pretty common uh, use case that we see. Maybe dive into that because I think it's a really interesting situation where the 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 total is greater than the sum of the parts type thing. Yeah. So if you think about, you know, now you have the ability to uh, seamlessly move a workload from an on-premises environment into VMware cloud, and you can, you can move it back to on-premises again, there's, there's no transformation effort. So you can very easily move workloads between your on-prem environment uh, and VMware cloud. Once you're, you're in the VMware cloud environment, you, you now have this new capability of, of uh, you have very high bandwidth, low latency access into the native AWS services that exist. So if you wanted to take advantage of things like uh, Amazon's Redshift uh, or even S3, uh, EFS, or even uh, if you have other instances running uh, in EC2 that you want to be able to uh, to communicate with, uh, you could do those things. So uh, there's a, a great opportunity now that, that you uh, you can take advantage of these native AWS services and you're not having to worry about you know the the bandwidth that you have to AWS or, or in your on-premises environment, you know, to AWS. Uh, ultimately, now you you have you're, you're setting it with uh, ENAs that are connecting you uh, between these services, so you have that the high bandwidth and uh, low latency access into all these services. And, th- and that augmentation becomes really interesting because it means suddenly you know existing workloads can take advantage of sending data to some sort of data repository or a data lake. You can do way more analytics. You could feed into AI and ML type workloads. You could spin it off into streaming workloads, etc. Suddenly, you kind of unlocked. Uh, what that application is doing, uh, even though you haven't actually had to re-engineer that application per se. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's the goal here is to give customers flexibility, right? They they don't have to go through a transformation process. They can they can choose to move the workloads in and out of, of VMware Cloud as they as they see fit, whatever works best for them. Uh, but as you mentioned, they they now have access to this this very broad range of services. Uh, that they can take advantage of, and, and it continues to get better over time. If even just a, a couple of uh, weeks ago, we announced that uh, the application load balancer can now support IP-based targeting. Uh, so in the past, you know, you were you were using uh, ELB and ALB to target EC2 instances only. Uh, well, now that you can do IP-based targeting, one of the interesting use cases that comes up is that you can actually uh, move your web servers, for example, into VMware Cloud and AWS, uh, but you could use the application load balancer uh, as the front end for that. Uh, so that allows you to take advantage of things like WAF, or you can even use you know, CloudFront. All of the edge services that you have uh, from an AWS perspective uh, can be put in front of those, uh, and put in front of those workloads that are running inside of VMware Cloud. Uh, but you have tons of flexibility. You can run you know, your database cluster uh, inside of VMware Cloud and AWS, and maybe your web servers uh, running in on native EC2, uh, or you can flop that around, you know, depending on what uh, what your use case is and, and what your needs are. But ultimately, now you have flexibility to to run these workloads uh, wherever you need, or take advantage of the services uh, that that you want to take advantage of. Uh, again, without having to go through a transformation process and and being able to continue to use the tools that you're comfortable with, you know that's a thing we hear from a lot of customers is they are are heavily invested in VMware. They're very happy with VMware. It does a great job for them, uh, and they don't want to have to go learn new things or, or trade out their tooling. 
so one of the great advantages of VMware Cloud and AWS is they can continue to use uh, vSphere. They can continue to use the tooling that they know and love. Uh, and, and none of that has to change. Uh, it's completely uh, completely the same in uh, the, the VMware Cloud and AWS environment as what they as what they had on premises. The advantage here is they no longer have to be in the business of, of dealing with the physical infrastructure. Uh, AWS is taking care of that physical infrastructure. Uh, VMware is actually taking care of all the lifecycle management uh, for the, the VMware Cloud and AWS uh, software-defined data center. So patching, updating, uh, upgrading, uh, all of the things that uh, responding to host failures, those types of things. VMware is actually taking care of all of that for you as a supported service. So they'll deal with the lifecycle management. So you truly get to focus on just running your workloads and not having to deal with uh, administering or managing the, the vSphere environment or the physical data center that this is all running on. It is, uh, it is it is very cool. And I know that our regular listeners would be highly disappointed in me if I didn't utter the phrase undifferentiated heavy lifting, because this is an awesome example of getting rid of that so we can do more interesting things. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, this is this is really the only services out there that is directly so sold and supported by VMware as a, as a managed uh, software-defined data center. So you no longer have to deal with the compatibility guides. Is this version of vSAN compatible with this version of NSX? And, uh, you know, I've got to plan updates for my, my uh, you know, vSphere, uh, my vCenter appliance. Uh, VMware takes care of all of that stuff for you. Uh, and again, if a, if a host fails in the middle of the night, VMware is going to automatically provision a new host in its place uh, and you know get it configured and joined into your cluster. So a lot of that undifferentiated work that, that customers are dealing with in an on-premises environment, uh, within the VMware cloud and AWS environment, VMware will, will take care of that for them. Just goes away. So that's probably a good point to talk about. Um, customers who want to get access to VMware cloud on AWS – it's a little different process than maybe some of our listeners are used to. So maybe if you can talk about how customers can use VMware Cloud on AWS and also then the uh, AWS services per se and using them in combination, maybe walk us through that. Yeah, so for this service, uh, it is sold and supported directly by VMware. Uh, so they would want to engage their their VMware team uh, to, to discuss with them uh, getting onboarded onto the service. Uh, and then they can also engage with their AWS account team uh, if uh, if they want to go that route. And our AWS account team uh, or their AWS account team will be gladly to help uh, get them engaged with their VMware uh, with their VMware reps and and uh, can work with them on that. So uh, ultimately, you, you, it is purchased and and uh, and delivered from VMware directly. So that's that's where you want to go. We are heavily partnered with uh, VMware on this and very engaged. Uh, at, at all levels in the organization, and, and we're happy to, to help broker that that uh, introduction uh, for customers who may need that. Fantastic. And if uh, listeners want to get more information, there'll be notes in the show notes, but it's at aws.amazon.com forward slash VMware, so an easy one to remember. And uh, looking forward to more, I guess, region expansion and capability in the future, Andy. Yeah, so are we. Thank you for taking the time to talk with me. Awesome. Thanks for coming on the podcast. And we do love to get your feedback, AWS podcast at amazon.com. And until next time, keep on building.